Well, look at that. It's Friday already, just like that. And that means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. A few weeks ago, uh, I mentioned that we I kind of introed a new series. I know that we are still working through some character qualities, but there's enough character qualities slash virtues that that series could be ongoing for a long time. But this particular series... Uh, rolling through life that we're going to begin today will focus on I think it's four essential areas and the first ones today which is talking about school and how I as a disabled um, young man navigated um, the school waters and uh, so I'm very um, excited to share this information with you Um, this will definitely be my most personal series ever on the podcast but I think it's necessary, as I mentioned in the intro podcast um, just a few weeks ago, um, the movie Me Before You made me think about this because it deals with the issue of how can you have a quality of life and still be in a wheelchair and be disabled um, and not be able to do so much? How can you change your focus to what you are able to do? And so... That's what I, I'm, in, I'm attempting uh, to do in, the, in this podcast series, and we will kick it off um, very shortly. But first, I want to go to Adam for a quote of the day. Which comes from Mr. Theodore Roosevelt. Nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. All right, I picked this quote because I think it kind of epitomizes one of the models of my life, which is this quote simplified, which basically says, um, I, I've i learned that I've had to work twice as hard to prove that I'm just as good. And you'll probably hear me say that in a lot, if not all, the podcasts in this series, because in every major area of my life, this one included, I've felt like in a lot of ways I've been, you know, under, uh, undervalued. That's not really the word under people have had, um, super low expectations. We'll put it that way for me in this area, along with other areas. And by people, I don't mean my own parents. I'm very thankful that my parents had a higher view of, of these things. And my hope is that if anybody out there, um, has, has dealt with, disability or or has struggled in any of these areas and would like to be like to share with us we would appreciate um having any voicemails or emails on these issues if you um respond to anything that has to do with this podcast we'll try to get the voicemail on the next podcast in the series as part of the segment so keep that in mind the contact information will roll at the end of the show um but I really have felt um, in this educational area that that there has been definitely been times when I've had to work twice as hard to prove that I'm just as good. You know, I I tell people half jokingly, I you know I I have so much talent when it comes to college that I squeezed four years of college into seven, um, <laughs> and that's because it took me it did take me seven years to get my bachelor's degree. Um, but the interesting thing was it was, it really worked out nicely because the 
the amount that I could handle academically was uh, pretty much lined up with the amount that my wallet could handle every semester. So I was able to pay cash for my undergrad degree, which is an awesome feeling to be able to come out of college with that and no debt hanging over my head. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, I want to, first of all, just kind of um, be honest with you about my early school days. Um, I went to school for kindergarten and first grade. I think maybe a little bit in preschool as well, but I, I know I went for kindergarten and first grade. I went to a special ed class. And I'm not here to bash special ed. Some people probably have had pretty good experiences. But the experience that I had was that I was in an environment where people were constantly undervaluing my potential. They told my parents that it would be almost impossible to teach me to read. They thought that I would need speech therapy, which is kind of hard to believe considering that a lot of my job today consists of using my voice and doing so effectively. Um, but what, 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 what it really boiled down to in that particular area with the speech was that I was the kind of kid who, who didn't want to talk in nonsense sentences. So I wasn't going to articulate a thought to you unless I could artic articulate it in a full sentence. If I couldn't give you a full sentence, it wasn't worth saying. And so that came across to some as the need for speech therapy or the inability to communicate. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And then also the the biggest things that I remember from my public school days was that we changed classrooms several times and we would often watch movies in the classroom. And by movies, I'm not talking about documentaries. I'm talking about Disney films, um, which, again, I'm sure it wasn't as much as I thought. But given the fact that those are the things I remember the most about my brief time in school, regular school, it shows me that it wasn't that effective of an educational system, at least for me. And when they held me back in first grade and said I would have to repeat it again, my parents said, we can do better. And so they pulled me out and began homeschooling me. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful that they did um, because I needed a lot of individual attention that the school couldn't give me. Um, and I needed a curriculum that worked best for me. And I think that my parents homeschooling me really helped me and prepared me for college and showed me that I could have some semblance of a normal life. And, uh, my parents were very good at, at not, um, letting me say that I couldn't do something. Um, just because it would take me longer doesn't mean I couldn't do it. And I think that that's one of the, one of the biggest things that, that happens in the traditional school system is you have one curriculum. And so if you do well in that curriculum, you're one of the gifted kids. If you do poorly, you're one of the, you know, one of the slow kids. And then if you fit in the middle, then, then you're one of the average kids simply based on what curriculum you use rather than your actual intelligence. And then, of course, I had some interesting experiences socially, even as a special ed student. 
Um, for instance, I remember them not allowing me to um, go outside a lot of times in the winter in recess because they didn't want me to bring snow in on my tires. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, even though it was a special ed school, I was only allowed to eat in the cafeteria one day a year, and that was one of the days leading up to Thanksgiving. We would have a, a Thanksgiving dinner in the in the cafeteria Otherwise, I would eat in my classroom, and uh, there's some other things I could go into, but that's that's what I remember about that time. And then um, going into homeschooling, I I still remember struggling, but but when I struggled in homeschool, it was more out of my lack of drive. Um, I didn't like school, and so a lot of times I would try to do the minimum and uh, try to get away with that. And then, um, and of course, with with your mom as your teacher and your dad as your principal, uh, <laughs> that can be a little difficult, and they only let you slough off so far before you they reel you back in, which I'm I'm extremely grateful for. Um, but then fast forward, um, to, uh, the end of high school and now it's like, what do I do? And part of me, um, at that point was like, I don't want to go to college, at least not right away. I want to take a year off and then I'll decide what I want to do. And my mom very wisely said to me, She's like, if you take time off, you will probably never go back to school and you will be very unemployable because of your lack of education. Um, My dad, my dad actually said that part even louder than my mom. (laughs) And so, so because you, he said you have enough employment hurdles Mm -hmm. without having education be one of them. So they enrolled me in a correspondence course uh, called the um, Telos Institute International, which I greatly enjoyed. And um, I'm moving along doing, well, the first semester I did one course that was five credits. Originally, I wanted to do more than one. but I'm so glad that I only did one because it was a five credit course and it was my first exposure um, to a college curriculum, a curriculum where someone other than my parents would be grading me. So I'm glad I did that. And then from then on, I did two or three classes a year until I completed this two-year program in about five years. Um, the interesting thing about that was I got to a certain point and I just had a few credits to go. Um, and one of the classes that I had to take was this two credit hour class, um, called character development studies because the the degree was a, an emphasis in counseling. And so I was like, no big deal. I can knock out a two credit hour class. No big deal. And I took, I think two other classes that semester. And the teacher was one of these teachers who would not just, give you an assignment and then grade you on the assignment. It was almost like you had to figure out what the assignment was and mm-hmm. then do it and then get graded on it. Well, she was constantly 
giving me low grades. And I knew based on my previous semesters, I was like, this is not typical. So something's going on here. And I said, I'm really trying hard to do the work as you want it done, but it never seems to be enough. And she's like, well, why don't you quit your other two courses and focus on this one and then you'll get better grades. I was like, I've been doing two or three classes a semester all through. And now this one's a two credit hour class and you're telling me that maybe I should quit the other classes I'm taking just so I can pass your class. So I thought there was a kind of a, a real lack of understanding as far as that went. Um, and my dad interceded and I ended up, um, I ended up passing the class after some trial and error. And I, I definitely learned some things along the way. Um, but, and I guess that that's not necessarily directly related to the disability, but I, but I bring that up because I don't think that she necessarily understood the effort that I was putting forth in order to complete um, my education and to get the work done so that I could do this and how motivated I indeed I was. Now, the cool, one of the cool things that happened was that um, after I completed the class, I was, when I was going into my last semester, I had a couple classes that I was going to take and then I needed one more class because I would be like one credit short without and you know, one more elective. And, but then I found out that they were raising the amount that that class was worth hmm. from two credits to three credits. So I was able to graduate because that, the value of that class was actually increased. Ooh. So, and it definitely needed to be. That was one of the things. They always did a yearly review or a review after every class, and they said, what are your recommendations for this class? And I was like, it needs to be at least three credit hours. There's no way that's a two-credit-hour class. <laughs> yeah. And I think that more multiple people must have made that complaint because that's um, the information that I got. Anyway, after that degree was done, then I was like, what am I going to do? Um, because an associate's degree didn't seem like it was that um, that significant. Like I felt like I at least needed a bachelor's degree. Well, they had an, uh, a, an arrangement with Louisiana Baptist University to transfer my credits. Um, they gave me certain credits for life experience, actually. So then I had 48 um, credits to complete um, with Louisiana Baptist. With the Telos Institute, I had finished with a 3.6 GPA, and with with a with the Louisiana Baptist University, I finished with a 3.9. All right. So in college, I really upped my game uh, with the Lord's help because I told the Lord, I said, I know that I kind of um, floated through the last couple of years of high school. I didn't really care that much, but if you'll help me, I will, I will make more of a commitment in college. 
It also helps when you're opening up your own checkbook to pay for it as well. But um, anyway, so I took those classes and Louisiana Baptist was actually in many ways easier because you just um, sent the classes in as you completed them and got credit ongoing. So it wasn't like fixed semesters. In some ways, that was a bad thing because I probably should have graduated a year before I did. But um, I got done on, in May of 2006, and now I have my bachelor's degree, um, and I really appreciate it, and I'm able to use it as a result of getting the opportunity to do this podcast, and also when I preach at different churches, I rely on things I learned through my degree, and so I feel blessed to be actually using my degree to glorify God and, and to earn a living t- to an extent. And, uh, but those are, um, just some of my experiences. I could, could go into, uh, more detail. Um, and, and I just had to say that, uh, I think that there's a lot more capability among people like myself with disabilities than a lot of people give credit for. And we'll get into that on a future episode. But um, just as an example, um, one of my biggest pet peeves, and it doesn't happen that often, but one of my biggest pet peeves is if I'm out to eat with someone um, and or anywhere with someone, and, and this particularly happened when I had a service dog, um, people would ask my friends or family members about my service dog. And I'm sitting right there and I can talk, but they kind of assume that I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, um, I, I bring this up because I think that the biggest thing that you can do for someone like myself who has a physical disability is to do your best to not make any assumptions. I do that myself, so I'm I'm not innocent in that regard. And I am not telling you something that I'm not telling myself as well. But to me, that's the biggest thing. Don't make assumptions about uh, what I can or cannot do. Um, I, I just feel like with the way the special ed system, going back to our main topic of education, the way that's set up, is this a lot of times this idea of they can't learn that much. So let's not teach them that much. And then when they come out of uh, the special education system, then we will, we will kind of act surprised, but not be surprised that they don't really accomplish much after school. Um, And my parents fortunately were of the elk of, it might take you longer, but you can do anything that you set your mind to. Anything that the Lord has for you mm-hmm. to do, you can do. Um, now, as far as uh, interacting with people with disability, with um, who are quote unquote normal, although what is normal in school, <laughs> um, I know there were some people that could walk in my school. Like I said, I was in a special ed program, so I think most of us had disabilities. 
Uh, so I, I wasn't really ever mainstreamed, as they call it, because by the time I would have been mainstreamed, I was pulled out and homeschooled. Um, so, Adam, I was just curious. I know most of this has been about me and my personal experience, but when you were, because I know that you were kind of half homeschooled, or you were ha you were in school for half the time, and then for the latter half you were homeschooled. Mm -hmm. So, did you have much interaction with people with disabilities in either case? Um, there was a class in the elementary school I went to where there was a couple kids. Um, they they weren't in wheelchairs, but they were still in a um, they called a special class for them. So I remember talking to them a little bit and such, but uh, truth be told. Not much. Now, we did have, when I was in high school, homeschooled by then, we did have a Down syndrome neighbor. So he'd come over every day, and he'd say hi, or he would joke around or something like that, and he'd do that to all the neighbors and such. So um, it's odd, even though I wasn't in school, I still had a little bit of exposure to that as as I as I got older. And, uh, and, and that's good, because that teaches you to be able to talk to anyone and everyone. So... Um, but with uh, uh, where you are, Andrew, you're kind of the first guy that I really have got to get to know and talk to about this. And and I just want to say, too, I appreciate you being so transparent and sharing your story because, um, you know, not only does it make me even prouder of what you've accomplished, but also, you know, it just helps me understand more of like, OK, what daily life was and we have to go through. And, you know, sometimes you can look at kids in classes and think, oh, they're doing OK or, oh, it looks like it's fine. But when you really get to hear from them, that makes a big difference. Well, and and the reason for this is because because. I mean, as I said, the thing that sparked this was the movie Me Before You, where the guy is paralyzed, um, spoiler alert, and <laughs> he wants to end his life. Um, and his parents do all they can to make sure that he doesn't. They hire this this companion for him. The two of them fall in love. And he says, this could be a good life, but it's not the life I want. And he still chooses to end his life. Mm. And so the reason that I'm bringing this up, first with education, and then we'll delve into some other areas in future shows, is that I want to show you that even though it was a struggle, there were days when I felt like I was chained to my computer. I felt like I would never be done with school. There were, on more than one occasion, I threw my hands up and I said, I just want to quit. I'll tell you, once I got through the first program that I mentioned, the second program at Louisiana Baptist was, by comparison, a piece of cake. <laughs> but there were so many times throughout the whole educational process where I just wanted to throw my hands up and quit. But my parents pushed me, and God never let me go. And he allowed me to finish what I started. And now, regardless of what happens, no one can take those accomplishments away from me. And it's kind of like what that quote was saying in the beginning today, and I'll refer back to it. Nothing in the world is, is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort pain, or difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult wives, lives and led them well. 
And that's why I don't give up. That's why I have future goals that I refuse to give up on. Because at any given time, I could decide that I'm going to sit at home and twiddle my thumbs and watch Netflix all day. And the government will take care of me. That's essentially what they want from me. And you know what? If I allowed that to happen, they would be absolutely right when they say that I don't have a quality of life. That doesn't mean that someone that does that who is of a lower um, ability or lower intelligence than me doesn't have a quality of life in their own right. But for me personally, to allow myself to go down to that level would indeed impede my quality of life. But my point is that just having this wheelchair doesn't mean that I don't have quality of life. Today, as of this recording, I work at a Christian school. I preach on the weekends. I do community theater. Um, you know, and you know, I, I oftentimes I don't even think of myself as busy, but then I sit down and I start to list it off and I'm like, man, I'm busy. (laughs) I was talking to one of my coworkers at, at the Potter's house and she was like, well, what do you do when you're not here? And I was telling her all the stuff I do, including this podcast. And she was like, you might be busier than me. (laughs) But again, it's one of those things that you don't really notice unless you sit back and you're like, Oh, I guess I really am busy. And I'm very thankful for each avenue that God allows me to go through and all the relationships that he allows me to cultivate um, through those. Um, Most people know if they know one thing about me, it's that I'm a people person, that I believe in investing heavily in relationships, and I appreciate any opportunity to be able to do that. And we're kind of rabbit trailing here. Um, but as we get into this series further, as I said, we may do an episode about a blog post I wrote um, called 10 Things You Shouldn't Say to Someone in a Wheelchair. And I added the parentheses, or maybe you should. Um, because a lot of the things that certain people write about being offended um, by if they're in a wheelchair, I tend to take in stride and because I want people to understand that I'm normal, but I have certain difficulties and I'm willing to be open and candid about them. Mm-hmm. And while speaking for him, uh, the focus of the primary focus of speaking for him is not about helping people with disabilities. I am a person with a disability so I felt that the time was now to become more personal and more vulnerable with you through this podcast on these issues. So we've unpacked the education one. We, we've seen some of the struggles I had um, from my time in kindergarten and first grade um, uh, and the public school and then moving on to homeschool and going through high school there and then going through college, both of my um, college programs were correspondence. So there there were fellow graduates that I met only on the day of graduation, which is always weird. Oh, wow. Because I'm sitting there on the day I got my bachelor's degree, standing with a bunch of uh, 
communication students who I had no idea who they were because we didn't have the camaraderie of shared assignments, which if, if there's one thing I would have wanted to change about my college experience, it would have been that, that I would have at least been in an online environment where you were collaborating with other students. But that being said, I'm very blessed. Um, the situation that I was in educationally and the payoff that, that it, that it brought. And, um, so I'm very, uh, I'm very thankful for that. And uh, I just want to, <clears throat> I just want to encourage people out there, able-bodied or not to think about Theodore Roosevelt's quote, are you going to be one who leads an easy life or are you going to be one who leads a hard life but accomplishes much? That's that's really what I want for you. And to tie it into to a spiritual thing, remember Jesus said, if any man comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus never said following him would be easy. A lot of times in today's day and age, we say, you know, just follow Jesus and everything will be all right. We we take the Pedro approach from Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> which says, you know, like when he said, vote for Pedro and all your wildest dreams will come true. You know, we, we kind of take that approach to salvation. And that's not really what happens. What happens is that if you follow Jesus, he will change your heart and he will he will give you his desires for you. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. And they may come with trial and, and heartache and error and sometimes failure. But the ultimate result is that you will be conformed more to the image of Jesus Christ. All right. Well, I know this may have sound sound a little bit fragmented and a little um sketchy but i hope that you've been benefited um by these these um, remembrances of my educational journey if you have any questions or any input um, if you have a disabled student would like to share any stories that you went through to encourage others on this road you may send those to the contact information at the end of the show and we will um delve into another aspect of rolling through life um, very soon on the Speaking for Him podcast. That's our show for this week. Keep serving the best of masters and have an awesome weekend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 